All right. On your way to Matthew, please, the book of Matthew. There's a nice progression in the songs today. Don't always try to figure it out that way. Sometimes we just pick songs that speak to our hearts. But this was, the battle belongs to the Lord, that we praise and worship him and give him the glory and honor that he deserves. And then we understand that he's our redeemer and by his blood he purchased us. And then because of that, we know even though there are battles, perfect peace and rest. Because we can trust in the Lord and know he's got everything under control. It's a blessing to understand. And when you have uh, living this life, sometimes being stayed upon Jehovah and having that feeling of perfect peace. I was just reading this morning uh, from Philippians where it talks about a peace that passes understanding that we don't have to be uh, tossed to and fro and hectic and worried and full of concerns and fearful uh, about the things going on in this world, that we can have a peace that people just don't understand because we know who's in control. We know no matter what goes on around us that our God has got it. Amen? Matthew chapter 8. We're going to start a new section here this morning. Uh, last week, we finished up the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, chapter 8 begins a new division of the book of Matthew. And so as we're putting this up on the, on the screen behind me, I, we're going to break down a little bit the focus that Matthew has had, all right? Uh, shortly, it will be there, sorry. Love computers, but there we are. We're going to look at the healing of the leper this morning, the healing of the leper. But I want us to understand that the new section we're getting into, okay, Matthew has got a focus. Now, Matthew, I think some of us should be able to repeat this by now. Matthew's purpose for writing the book was to present Jesus as the promised Messiah. He is speaking to a Jewish audience Okay, and talking about the Jewish Messiah that would sit on a physical Jewish throne in the Jewish Jerusalem. Okay, uh, this is where his focus. A lot of the scripture in the New Testament is written to churches. Okay, and written how we should function with as brothers in Christ and, and Christians and things like that. The book of Matthew is not written for that purpose. The book of Matthew is written to present Jesus Christ as the promised King. Okay? There is a throne, a throne of David. That throne of David, spiritually and physically, still is promised. Okay? Lord Jesus someday will come and sit on that very literal throne on this very literal earth. Okay? And Matthew is trying to remind the Jews that Jesus is the one that came to fulfill that. So he gives us a few pointers right? Um, that Jesus is there to fulfill all these Old Testament prophecies. Okay, when you talk about the number of, uh, the, I think, 101 prophecies that are fulfilled just about his co first coming, let alone his second coming, uh, Jesus is amazing, the, the things that he had accomplished compared to Old Testament scripture. And that's going to be part of the theme again this morning. Matthew continues to use the Old Testament to confirm that Jesus is who God promised would come. All right, and we looked at him presenting, next slide, chapter one, the genealogy of the king, 
and we see his royal pre, his royalty, the bloodline coming through, and God is clear about that. In chapter 2, we see the royal reception of the king. The wise men, the magi from the east, come and bring gifts worthy of a king. Okay, and we saw that, that they had come here to give credence to it. Matthew is the only gospel that records this. Okay, the other three Gospels do not record this because their focus is not presenting him as the king of the Jews. They have a different focus. But Matthew says, oh, and just so you guys know, these uh, wise men who understood the scripture and the, and the prophecies are here to bestow upon baby Jesus royalty and kingship in the gifts that they give him. All right, we talked about the herald of the king that John the Baptist showed up and says, uh, Repent, prepare ye of the way of the Lord, that he is come, that God's king has finally arrived. Okay, chapter 4, we talked about the proving of the king, where he was tested and taken to the wilderness, and the devil presented him with uh, options to prove his worth. And we've seen this, even if you keep track of the royal family, I hate to say I don't like to, but it pops up now and then, that even uh, children in the royalty in the family in England go to the armed forces and serve. Okay, they're not just sitting back and being cushy in their uh, rich palace. They actually served in the military. Okay, you want to prove their worth. You want to put them in the midst of some struggles, right? Um, chapter 5 through 7, what we just looked at, the tenets of the king, his constitution. And we spent quite a few uh, weeks looking at this. As Jesus says, listen, okay, Here's the kingdom that God has promised, my kingdom. If you're going to be a part of my kingdom, boom, 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 and he lists a bunch of things that should be a part of our lives. Just like you and I have a constitution in our country, and our country should be run by our constitution. Our country should be run by our constitution. Okay, um, But that's what the Lord Jesus does. This, now we get into a new section, and I told you we're introducing it that way. Okay, chapters 8 through 10 focus on the miracles of Jesus. So Matthew spends, specifically sets this stuff up in its own little section. Okay, in other books, Mark, Luke, John, there are miracles recorded, but they're not recorded in the same manner and for the same purpose that Matthew records them. Okay, there's a difference in how all four of these writers use the miracles of the Lord Jesus Christ. All right, and we're going to look at that just for a minute. But before we do, I need to pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word and what it teaches us. Lord, I pray will you be with my mind this morning. I will be the first to admit, for some reason, I am scatterbrained this morning. Just one of those mornings. And so, Lord, I pray that you would hone my thoughts to what uh, needs to be said. The amazing thing is your word is true. It is our authority. Not my mind, not my words. It is your Bible. And so, Father, I just pray that you would guide us in the truth from your word this morning. Lord, help me to put my thoughts together in a way that would uh, be best used by your Holy Spirit to nudge each one of us in what we need to do. And so, Father, I just pray you would add a blessing upon your word this morning. Help us to understand the amazing God that you are. Father, thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. So, keep going on the next slide. The miracles of Jesus are recorded in all four Gospels. 
However, they all record them from a different perspective. None of them record all of them. None of, yeah, that's right. None of them record all of his miracles. Okay? His miracles are recorded, some of them are recorded in multiple books. Some of them are not. But we're going to continue to look at this in a minute. Some of them record the same miracles. Keep going. There are about 34 to 37 miracles recorded in the Bible. Now that's very specific, isn't it? Somewhere between 34 and 37. Well, it all depends on how people tarry them up. Um, the, uh, this is the first specific miracle listed in the book of Matthew. Okay? The healing of the leper. God spends the time to break this down specifically. But, keep going. Matthew chapter 8, verse 1, where we're looking at, it's a specific miracle about this book. But here's Matthew chapter 4, verse 3. We've already read this, okay? Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in the synagogues, preaching the gospel of the kingdom, and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of diseases among the people. So you see there, there's a, a, a little bit of a difficulty saying how many miracles are recorded in the Bible that Jesus did. This one is he specifically healed the leper. But if you go back earlier in Matthew, it says he healed all kinds of people. So how do you really count how many miracles are truly in the Bible? So some people will look at this verse and count this as one of his healings. I don't know about you, but that tells me there were more of the, his healings. Okay, but this is important that we understand the scope of what we're going to talk about here. That even though God lists healings about the Lord Jesus Christ and what he has done, they're, very, they're for a very specific purpose. And that is why he can go ahead and list it like this. I don't know how many healings he did here. Was it 20? Was it 50? Was it 1,000? I don't know. Do you? Okay. No, we don't. But we do know that God chooses specifically to list somewhere between 34 and 37 different miracles, that, different healings and miracles that Jesus did. So that's why it's hard to pin it down to an exact number. You with me? Okay. So it's hard to say he did 37 of them when we talk about he did lots of healings right here. Okay. But God specifically lists a few of them. That's what we're going to focus on today. That each of the Gospels, and I'm not going to go into the other Gospels, but each of the Gospels use different miracles that Jesus did to confirm who he was and confirm God's promises about him. All right? So, with that in mind, keep going. Matthew does not record them in chronological order, but Luke does. So Matthew chooses 10 specific miracles, and those specific miracles are gathered together to prove to the Jews, remember we just talked about this, Matthew's messages to the Jewish people about a Jewish king. Okay, so Matthew takes Old Testament passages that talk about who, what the king, when he arrives, will do. When God himself becomes flesh, there's some promises, and he says, Jesus did those 10 things. Okay, John on the other, I mean Luke on the other hand, look at what Luke says. And it seemed good unto me also, having uh, had perfected understanding of all these things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. 
Luke, on the other hand, being very specific, and we've talked about this, and when Dan went through the book of Luke, he is a doctor, he is very factual, and very... Luke, the miracles that Luke records are in order of how... And then Jesus did this, and then Jesus did that. Why? Because Luke's purpose is to record a very specific, very technical story about Jesus. His desire was not to present only those things that confirm Jesus Christ as the king of the Jews. So you see the difference already? So not every book of these four have all 37. Each one of them have different miracles that they record to support their look of Jesus, their observation. Remember, it's four different perspectives. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John are looking at Jesus from four different angles. Okay, and we talked about this before, just for understanding purposes. If I ask somebody to describe this pew or this pulpit, okay, that's not a pew, that's a pulpit. Um, this pulpit, if I pick somebody to describe this pulpit, you would all have different perspectives, wouldn't you? Okay, Faith, you were just up here a minute ago, so you have multiple perspectives. But I, if I ask Faith to tell me what this side looks like, what does this side look like, Faith? Over here? You see what that is? No, because you can't see it from your perspective. Okay, same thing with you guys on this side, right? And I got a totally different perspective back here. I've got a little microwave and some hot pockets cooking. No. Okay, it's all perspective. Is it the same pulpit? Right, it's not. If I described it from here that there's ornate things with a little door and a knob and some other stuff, it's not that I'm describing a different pulpit, it's just I'm describing it from a different perspective. So that is what the, the apostle, uh, the, uh, the gospel authors, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John do when they're talking about Jesus and specifically with his miracles. They use his miracles to describe a certain perspective that they're looking at Jesus from. You with me so far? So if you want to read all the miracles, you've got to read all four gospels. Because not one of them. But Matthew focuses on 10, and that's where we're going to pick up in this story. Keep going. Um, John uses seven miracles to prove that Jesus was the Son of God and that the world would believe in him. Right at the end of the book, how many times have we read this together? John says, Many other signs truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book. Keep going. But these are written that ye may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing ye may have life through his name. Matthew writes to prove that Jesus is king. John writes to prove that you, to make you believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. Different purposes, different perspectives. All right? Matthew uses the uh, miracles to present Jesus as the promised Messiah to the Jews. And there are 10 miracles recorded here. All right, keep going. Remember, everything that Jesus did, did was measured and purposeful. Okay, that's why every single word recorded in this book is important. Okay, none to be taken lightly. There are some who will say, well, I'll read the New Testament. I don't ever read the Old Testament because, you know, it's Old Testament. It doesn't matter anymore. Yes, it does. Okay, especially to understand the book of Matthew. Very difficult to understand the book of Matthew if you don't understand the Old Testament because there's so many things in the Old Testament that Matthew refers back to. Okay, every single word is important. Every single thing that Jesus did was measured. Not one thing was wasted. 
Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put an invitation right here. Okay, we could end the sermon right at this point. Can I get a name? Anybody want it? No, don't, not yet. I'm, I'm not ending the sermon right now. But if I'm supposed to be Christ-like, which is what Christian means, right? A Christ-like one. And my Savior, when he was here, did everything very measured and careful and everything was done to the glory of his Father and to accomplish the plan that God had laid out for his life. Are we truly being Christians? Christ-like ones? I'll tell you what, we... And please, don't, don't take this the wrong way, but I believe we all can answer with a hearty yes if I said, don't we do a, a bunch of things in our lives that are frivolous? Not that those things are necessarily wrong. If I want to go do some fishing with friends or if I want to go bowling or do some stuff, listen, that's not necessarily bad. But understand that Lord Jesus Christ, he did everything with his purpose in mind. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, yeah, he went to weddings and he went to the market and he hung out with his uh, disciples in the street and went to people's houses. And I mean, he had a regular life. So I don't want to please don't get a Oh, pastor's telling us we need to go join a monastery somewhere, you know, and everything we do, you know, has to be oh, holy and no, because that's not how Jesus lived. Jesus lived an everyday regular life, but Jesus's focus never was broken. Everything that he did was to accomplish the purpose that God had left him here. So can you go fishing? Absolutely. But just don't lose the idea and the focus in your mind that everything I'm here to do is to complete God's plan in my life. Not, ah, eh, today I got the day off. Really? <laughs> I don't think so. Every single day, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. So anyway, there's the, there's the little commercial invitation at this one point. Jesus did everything measured. All of it had a purpose. All of it had a reason for doing. Okay? Um, Matthew uses the miracles fulfilled, to fulfill the prophecy of the Old Testament that showed the children of Israel that he was truly Messiah. Have I said that enough times? think we're probably getting that beat into our brains that this is why Matthew records these miracles keep going Jesus reminds John the Baptist of this prophecy okay didn't write down the whole thing you can go read it yourself but John the Baptist had disciples himself right those were followers of John who were trying to live their life for the Lord with John's example and at the time, John had some questions about the Lord, okay? And he's like, are you really the one? So he sends a couple of his disciples to go talk to Jesus about this. And this is where we pick it up. We'll be there in a few weeks. Now, when John had heard in prison the works of Christ, keep that works word in mind, okay? He sent two of his disciples and said unto him, art thou he that should come or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go, show John again those things which ye do see and hear. Blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. Now, this is so important to understand everything we're going to look at this morning. 
Jesus said, the things that I am doing, the works that I am doing, are to confirm what the Old Testament has said about me. So when John the Baptist said, listen, Lord, I remember your baptism and everything else. He said, behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But he's sitting there going, and I can imagine John in prison, you know, potentially about to lose his life going, uh, Lord, are are you really the one? And he says, what does the Bible say about me? Now, I think that's pretty cool. That even Jesus Christ himself doesn't look at him, send a message back and say, well, how many people have you raised from the dead? Now, (laughs) there's a lot of uh, religious folks out there on TV and other places who try to make confirmation of their ministries by some supernatural circus that they put on. Healings, speaking in tongues, dancing in the aisles, all the crazy stuff that's involved with it. You know what Jesus does, and we'll see this in a minute, and this is, uh, please listen carefully, and I don't mean to me what God's trying to do because it helps explain Jesus' point in a minute. Jesus was not in this for a dog and pony show. Jesus didn't perform miracles so everybody would go, wow! He says to John, if you are considering whether or not I am the Messiah, go back to God's word and see if what I'm doing matches up with what the Bible says. Guys, invitation number two. Our church, our lives, yours and mine. Is it matching up with what the Bible says that we are supposed to be doing? I don't have to be super eloquent preacher. We don't have to do crazy, uh, out-of-this-world things in our church to prove that God's power is with us. It is confirmed by what God's Word says. And this is why this is very important. Jesus never, ever wanted to be a circus attraction that people came and followed. Jesus always, always, always did what he did to confirm, number one, that God, his Father, was being glorified in his life, and number two, that it fit with what God's Word had said about him. Guys, that's our call. Number one, I'm glorifying my Father. How many times did Jesus say, listen, I'm doing the will of my Father? He's not saying I'm not doing... Now, Jesus had all power, right? He was the Son of God. He could have gone and done it, but he continuously reminded, everything I'm doing is according to the will of my Father. And then number two, everything I'm doing is in confirmation of what God's Word has said about me. That's you and me. Everything we're doing is to glorify our Father in heaven. And number two, it's all according to what God's Word has said. That's invitation number two. Okay, keep going. Isaiah, right, and this is the passage, he, Jesus is reminding John through his disciples coming back with a message, remember what the scripture said about the blind seeing and the ear hearing, the deaf hearing, the ear hearing, okay. The eyes of the blind shall be opened, the ears of the deaf shall be st- unstopped, then shall the lame leap as a heart, and the tongue of the dung, tongue of the dung shall sing. For in the wilderness shall the waters break out, and the streams in the desert 
Okay, you look this up later if you want to read it. This is a messianic prophecy about the time when the Lord Jesus comes. The verse right before this says God will come and he will save. What's the sign of that? This. So Jesus' message is, ain't I something with all these wonderful miracles I'm doing? No, he says, my works, are they describing what the Bible said the Messiah would do? Yes, they are then you make a judgment. Am I the Messiah? It's all about personal decision, isn't it? Okay, keep going. Miracle number one. Here we go. Let's read chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. And he was come down from the mountain. Great multitudes followed him. And behold, there came a leper and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if thou wilt, thou couldst make me clean. And Jesus put forth his hand and touched him, saying, I will be thou clean. And immediately his leprosy was cleansed. And Jesus saith unto him, See that thou tell no man, but go thy way and show thyself to the priest, and offer the gift that Moses commanded for a testimony unto them. Now again, Interesting stuff going on here. Now, we could spend a lot of time breaking down a lot of the different parts of this verse. Not going to spend a lot of time. We'll just mention a few things here. Uh, number one, leprosy is a picture of sin in the Bible. Okay, over and over and over. We talked about this when we went through Leviticus. Don't make me do it again. Okay, there are three full chapters in Leviticus. You know how much time God spent on the creation of this entire universe? Less than a chapter. You know how many times he, how many chapters he spends describing leprosy? Three. Kind of tells you God's using this as an important picture in our lives. Okay, it is a picture of sin. It has no earthly cure. We talked about this. It is a deadening of your senses. Okay, what leprosy does is not like all of a sudden you get in your skin starts to rot off. What leprosy does, it's kind of like neuropathy, or if you've ever heard of a diabetic person who start having problems with their feet because they can't feel it anymore, and before you know it, they have open sores on their toes and they don't even know it and they won't heal, and before you know it, it starts rotting. That's leprosy. It's a rotten internal thing where you, number one, lose feeling, and when you begin to lose feeling and sensitivity to something you're doing, you just continually do damage to yourself until there's nothing left. That's the picture of sin, guys. Sin has pleasure for a season, but if you continue to do it, you just lose sensitivity. Here's a commercial for you. Used to be in our culture, about 20, 30 years ago, that there were a lot of things on the radio and the TV and ads and on the news that would make us pretty upset. It's amazing to me how many swears, foul language, profanity is allowed in normal culture these days. Why? Because we've been desensitized to it. It doesn't matter anymore. We don't, it doesn't bother us because we hear it all the time. We've lost sensitivity. How dress codes have changed. And again, I'm not trying to necessarily be judgmental on people, but there's a point in which they're is a word called modesty. I don't know how to define that word anymore 
because I don't think you can without telling people that you're trying to put them into a little misogynistic box. There's things in our cultures that used to bother us, but we're getting so used to it, we're getting calloused and desensitized. And before you know it, we're doing things we didn't think we would be doing. And sin just creeps in. God uses this as an amazing thing. And it's so bad that leprosy can get in your skin, it can get in your clothes, it can get in your house. Remember we talked about Leviticus? That at your house, the walls of your house could have leprosy. It's just a creepy, nasty picture of sin. Okay? Um, it meant certain death. Numbers, 12, 10 through 12, equates it with sin and death. Look at this verse here. I just put it up here. And the cloud departed from the, out of the tabernacle, and behold, Miriam became leprous, white as snow. And Aaron looked upon Miriam and said, Behold, she was leprous. And Aaron said unto Moses, Alas, my Lord, I beseech thee, lay not the sin upon us, wherein we have done foolishly, and wherein we have sinned. Next verse. Let her not be as one dead, of whom the flesh is half consumed, when he cometh out of his mother's womb. There are tons and tons of examples in the Old Testament where it pictures sin and death. There is no earthly cure on this planet for leprosy. And guys, we don't hear much about it, but leprosy still exists. Just like there's no earthly cure for sin. There is only one cure for sin. Okay, now, something interesting here, too. Just I'm trying not to get too deep into this. But Jesus does the unthinkable. He touched the leper. Okay, now, again, going back, you, you were a leper. You had to go live out in your own community. You were separated from your loved ones, from the town, from everybody. You had to cry out, unclean. Because nobody's supposed to touch you. Because leprosy was so transferable, so communicable, that you didn't met, go anywhere near someone with leprosy. As a matter of fact, it was a sin against the law to touch someone who had leprosy. What does Jesus do? Reaches out and touches the leper. Because the one man who has the cure for leprosy, the Lord Jesus, it's just amazing to me. Keep going. He touches them. People would never do this. Only the priest could touch him, and that was only with the blood of the sacrifice. Okay, all back in Leviticus, if he had a leprosy that was creeping back up, whether it was cleansed or whether it was active, they went to the priest, and the priest would offer a sacrifice, and he would touch him with the blood of the sacrifice. That was the only way. Isn't that amazing? How do you and I get our sin cured? By the blood. Only by the blood. That was the only way. All right? Just imagine what it would have been like for the Jews to see Jesus touch a leper. Beside the fact that he healed the leper. You know, he touched him, and then the leper comes out healed. Amazing. Okay? Jesus is the only one who can deal with man's sin. He is the only one that can conquer death. His shed, precious blood, is the only thing that can deal with our problem of sin. That's the whole picture, guys, of leprosy. So Matthew chooses, even though this wasn't his first miracle, this is the first miracle that Matthew records. Because he wants to picture this 
to the Jews about Messiah, about Jesus fulfilling that, and how important this is. Now, Jesus says something interesting, though. Jesus instructs the man not to tell anybody. Now, how many of you think that's weird? Right? All right. This is definitely to confirm the principles of the Old Testament in my life. It's to show that I'm Messiah. Why not go tell people? Well, it's the same thing we kind of started out with, guys. Number one, let me put this as an example. I thought about you, Bob, when I was thinking of this. Uh, I've played golf. I won't even call it played golf. I've tried golf. Okay. Um, imagine, though, I'm on a par four. For those of you who don't understand, that means on average it takes four shots to get into the hole. Okay. And I whack it. I mean, I get all of this thing. I line up. And there's no slice, no hook. It's just rocket, straight as an arrow. Beautiful shot. Bounces, rolls up on the green, and in the cup. What a shot. Okay, that's possible, unlikely, if you've ever watched me golf. Now imagine all of a sudden if uh, pros and all these guys around said, wow, that was a great shot. Hey, can you give us some pointers on golf? No, just because I made an amazing shot once, almost like a miracle, doesn't mean, doesn't give me credibility, does it? You know, even a broken clock is right twice a day, right? The problem is, the devil himself can do great signs and wonders. Jesus is trying to say, listen, I'm not here to show a great miracle and that proves who I am. The works that I do prove who I am. Not a single miracle. And the problem is, he didn't want the dog and pony show. He didn't want people chasing him around because, wow, what's he going to do now? I've heard he walked on water. This is cool. Come on, let's go see this Jesus. Jesus is like, no, listen. I'm not using these things as a sign. And we'll talk about that in a minute. He continually calls his miracles his works, not a sign. He's like, oh, did you see he healed somebody? This must be the Messiah. He's saying, no, it is not based on one miraculous activity. It is based on the word of God being confirmed in me. Now, there's more to it than this, and I don't have the time to explain everything about this, but I'll try to hit the high points. Okay? Jesus considered miracles a work that the Father had sent him to do. No one miracle was to be a sign of Messiah's coming. Messiah will be fulfilled, uh, was to fulfill the scripture. Jesus says, listen, my life compared to the Old Testament, not my life compared to, wow, did you see what he just did? Because I'll tell you what, there's a bunch of charlatans that can perform a lot of amazing things, right? You've seen them, I've seen them. We've read about them in God's word. They exist today. And you think, wow, how could they do that? It's not about one miraculous activity that gives credibility. It's about fulfilling the word of God. Keep going. There is only one sign that Jesus said was important. 
Now, this is where this comes in. Jesus is not saying, I'm doing all these miracles as a sign of who I am. No, I'm doing all these miracles because that's what God told me to do when I got here. He said, there's only one sign that you need to be worried about. And this, uh, talking about the Jews seek a sign, Jesus looks at him and says, certain of the scribes and Pharisees answered saying, Master, we would see a sign from thee. So there they are, like, all right, Lord, if you're who you say you are, do something. Come on, fire down from heaven, walk on water, you know, here's a sick guy, heal him. Come on, show us who you are. Jesus' response, keep going, okay. But he answered and said unto them, an evil and adulterous generation seek after a sign. And there is shall no sign be given it but the sign of the prophet Jonas. For Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly. So shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. He said, you want one sign? I'll give you the sign. The sign is Jonah. You want to know what the sign of the Lord Jesus is? The one sign that's important? The fact that he was dead, buried, and rose again. That's the sign. Jesus calls the rest of his miracles works because he was just fulfilling what God's word has told him. But he says, you guys want one thing that points out the importance of my life on this earth? You want one thing to hang your hat on about me? Death, burial, and resurrection. That's the thing that's important. Not all the rest of this. Now again, I could go off for a few minutes here on all the crazy charlatans and false prophets and everybody who does all these miracles for money, for fame, for anything else, and they're doing all these fantastic works, whether they're real or not. But where's the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ in the midst of that? If there's one thing you and I need to remember, if there's one thing that is absolutely imperative for us as Christians walking this earth, is the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's the thing that Jesus said. You want one thing? It's his work of salvation, not his work of miracles. That's the thing that we need to focus on. And Jesus tells this guy, listen, don't go tell anybody. Because my job here is not to be a circus for people to be wowed about. My job here is to present myself as God's promised one. And I will die for the sins of this world. Jesus said, don't go, don't go tell anybody else. Now, I, I, I hope you saw it. He did say, go back to the priests and do what Moses told you to do in the Old Testament. So Jesus himself is saying, what does the Bible say? Well, the Bible says, go do this, so go do that. Go back to the priest and fulfill the law that Moses had written down. So even Jesus himself said, don't tell anybody, but go do what the scripture tells you. That's always what's important. So keep going. John chapter 10. If I do not the works of my father, believe not in me. But if I do, though ye believe not in me, believe the works that ye may know and believe that the Father is in me and I in him. Remember how I reminded you that Jesus called these things his works, not a sign? 
And what's the point? Jesus said, listen, why am I doing, even if you don't believe in me, believe in the works that I am doing. It is confirming what the Old Testament said. I am who I am, not because I can do miraculous things, but because I'm fulfilling Scripture. So you ask me, why do I believe in Jesus? Because I had a come-to-Jesus moment. I fell on my knees, the sky opened up, I heard angels singing. That's all fine and good. You know why I believe in Jesus? Because he is the promised Messiah and fulfillment of what God's word has said about him for thousands of years. He is who he is, not because of things he does. He is who he is because that's who he is. Right? We say this often. We praise God for what he does, but we worship God for who he is. If God never did one more wonderful thing in my life, he still deserves all my worship because he is who he is. It's not depending upon what he does. And Jesus was trying to say, listen, what I'm doing is to prove who I am. So that's why he says, listen, don't go broadcasting this to everybody. I don't want people showing up saying, heal me, heal me. You know they did. We already saw it. He healed all of them that came to him, and we're going to see it again. But we're also going to see Jesus at one point turn around and chase a bunch of them off. Because he's getting tired of people following him just to see what kind of new thing he's going to do. We'll get there when we get there. The issue was that the Jewish leaders knew the miracles were the fulfillment of the Old Testament. Now, I don't have time to take you to Luke chapter 4, but you can read the whole thing later. We'll touch a verse, uh, touch a verse or two. But in Luke chapter 4, it talks about him going back to his old home city. And the Bible confirms he not couldn't, but wouldn't do any miracles there because of their unbelief. Aren't you the carpenter's son? We know who you are. Jesus wouldn't do any miracles there. Why? Because they already decided he wasn't Messiah. They already rejected him for who he was. And in Luke, uh, oh, I missed this one phrase back here. Um, they liked their religious authority. You know, that's why they crucified Jesus. That's why they planned to kill him. Because the Jewish leadership in the religion didn't like the fact that they were losing their positions. We just got done the Sermon on the Mount and said, listen, Jesus says, if you can't be better than these guys, these scribes and Pharisees, their righteousness, he was already reminding everybody that they're not cutting it. They didn't like it. Keep going. Jesus points out the Jewish religious leaders that only a leopard, the only leopard cleansed in the Old Testament was a Gentile. If you look in that story, go ahead and read Luke chapter 4. It's an amazing passage. Jesus said, many lepers were in Israel at the time of Elias. This is Elisha, the prophet. And none of them were cleansed save Naaman the Syrian. And it says, and all that were in the synagogue when they heard these things were filled with wrath. Go to the next slide. Rose up and thrust him out of the city and led him to the brow of the hill where their city was built that they might cast him down headlong. And he passed through in the midst of them. 
I told you there's a lot behind this leper being cleansed. Jesus points out in the Old Testament, you know what? There was a guy cleansed in the Old Testament of leprosy, and you know what? He wasn't even a Jew. He was a Gentile. He said, you think you guys got this thing locked down? Jesus uses the leprosy to picture. Now Jesus is healing a leper, and he says, don't go broadcasting this. He says, because they've already rejected me. Just go your way and do what the Bible tells you. Do what the scripture says. Because he's not in this to make a show. He's in this to confirm who he is according to the word of God. Keep going. Jesus tells them, check out my life and compare it to scripture. That's basically exactly what he kept saying. You want to know who I am? You want to know if I'm Messiah? What does the Bible say about me? Yeah, but you can, do, you can walk on water. Doesn't matter. What does the Bible say? Well, you've healed people. What does the Bible say? Check me out. Jesus did not put on a magic show or a circus. This is why he says, these are my works that the Father has sent me to do. If you want a sign of who I am, it's my death, burial, and resurrection. But if you want to know why I'm doing these miracles, it's because that's what God told me to do. I'm not here to go, woo, draw as many people as possible. And I'll touch base lightly on this. Unfortunately, in churches today, we're kind of adopting that mentality, aren't we? Let's do as amazing, uh, as many amazing, wonderful, high-tech things as possible to get people to come in because they like it. And Jesus said, this is not what I'm doing. Well, I'm fulfilling God's word and what it tells me to do. I'm not doing things just to draw people. And we'll get there again. I told you, there was a point in which Jesus chased off a bunch where he even turns to his own disciples and said, are you going to leave too? And you know what their response is? Where else are we going to go? Who else has the words of God? Back to the word of God, always. We're going to see these miracles, but I needed us to start out this, this section that Matthew uh, talking about establishing that this is not about the wow factor this is not about putting on a big show drawing people in to see the oddity of this jesus this is all about him fulfilling the promises that god had made about him keep going the picture is jesus is here to cleanse sin that is what the healing of the leper is all about that was the message that Matthew to the Jew, brought to the Jews. And that's the message that we're given. With all the things that we as Christians can do in this world, we can feed the hungry, clothe the naked, house those who have need. We can do a lot of things for people, but the major one thing that you and I need to do is bring the message of salvation to people. There have been myths. Many organizations in our country started out with that desire to preach the gospel to those who need to hear it, but they've turned into charities, which all they're willing, uh, doing now is meeting people's personal needs, but not bringing them the gospel. Jesus says, you want a sign? There's only one sign, only one thing that's going to be important to shine out who I am and what I'm here to do, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of my, Jesus Christ. You want your sins forgiven? It's by the blood, just the way leprosy was cleansed. 
Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And I say that over and over and over. And Lord, Jesus himself, Son of God, having all power, could accomplish anything he wanted. Father, continually lined himself up with your will according to your word. And Father, that is the thing that is important. That we are not here for any other reason than to declare the salvation that Jesus provides and live according to your word. That's the example that Christ gave us. And as Christians, that's how we should be walking our everyday life. Father, again, we're going to look at miracles and think, man, what, how cool would it be to do a miracle? Yeah, great, Lord. It would be wonderful if we could do a miracle. But that's not what's important. Pointing someone to the Savior, Jesus Christ. That is what is important. Meeting personal needs, wonderful. But not unless we are showing people the Savior. Father, thank you so much. Help us to glorify our Heavenly Father and live by your word. In Jesus' name, amen.